stepping back and stroking to Bogdanovich, thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again. No double team help, and Embiid takes it right to the rack. going on everybody a new week a new episode of the feed to Embiid I am your host as always the always on time the the, the always clean shaven and you know good haired Austin Krell along with my buddy wearing game headphones Kai Carlin Kai it's been a while how are we I'm all right, man. You know, I just I've been rocking with the gaming headset when it comes to uh, my recording ventures. So it does feel like it sounds a little bit better. There we go. So, Kai, we do have a lot to talk about today. I want to start out with this. So this morning I'm at work. My dad walks into my room and he's like, he's like, he's like, Austin, Kai Carlin wrote this story about Doc, <laughs> about Doc Rivers saying that like, Ben, don't worry about Ben's. I don't worry about Ben's scoring, and um, and and I was, I was like, yeah, okay. He was like, but he didn't cite you as using the quote. Like he didn't say that. Like, that was asked by Austin Krell. I was like, it's like, do you ever see me do that with my quotes? And he was right. like, he was like, no. I was like, because we don't. We, it's not what you do. You don't have to cite the quote. You just say it. That's what Doc said. And he was like, all right, all right. I don't want him taking advantage of you. I'm like, oh, he's not taking advantage of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so I, I was, I was just trying to explain that he was like so like taken aback that you didn't say like to Austin Krell's question. Try to explain how it works. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. My mom did the same thing a couple years ago. <laughs> really? really? Yeah. I had to. I had to explain it to my mom. Yeah, like listen, we don't have we don't attribute who asked the question. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. so I had to explain that to my mom too. So I get it. I get it. But it's just hilarious to me because like the two he's my dad's never met you, but the two occasions that he knows of you, one he crashed in the back of my car, <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, the other one <laughs> you he in his mind like. Stealing the quote that I got from Doc, which I think it just like, he thinks you like the worst. <laughs> Damn it, man! I'm like the worst person in the world. <laughs> oh my god, it's too it's too good. It's too good. Um, so we do have a lot to jump into today. Um, we're going to start off with I think a topic that's near and dear to everybody's hearts, um, and that's going to be the return of Joel Embiid. And um, obviously, everyone's like like. Aside from the wins, the only thing people care about is like, where is Joel? Is he breathing? Is he alive? Is he ingesting food? Is is, right. is his heart beating? Right. Uh, and we confirmed that it is indeed beating. He comes back to the court on um, Saturday. It was against the Timberwolves. They very, I think they're better. They have a little bit more heart now and a little bit more fight. Still not very good at all. Yeah, they're but, not. <laughs> but but they did give a little more flight. It also helped that Carl Towns is back in the lineup. That always helps you. Um, but from Embiid in that game, what did you 
see there? I, I saw Rust, uh, as I'm sure you did as well. Um, it's, it's just like Joel, first game back, missed 10 games. 24 points and 8 rebounds is honestly better than what I was expecting. Just, just because it is a knee injury, he's going up against Cat, and the fact that, you know, I expected the rust that he did have. So, overall, I thought it was a good game. Um, he had a, a couple of really bad turnovers in the fourth quarter, but other than that, it was a solid game, and then, obviously, he sat out Sunday's loss to Memphis, but uh, that was to be expected. It was, just, it was a solid game overall for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought, like, so I, I, I guess – I was in a sense like disillusioned a little bit with what I thought you would see out of him. Like I thought I, I was thinking like, it wouldn't shock me if people are like, like, like the first thing people think after the game is like, Oh my God, is, is he okay? Um, Cause like that, that he's just that slow coming back. I mean, which think about it. Like in theory, according to like the, the doctors that, 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 you know, I've mentioned this to, um, you know, that you're supposed to be non-weight bearing activity. So it's really impossible to keep your conditioning up unless you're like doing water aerobics a ton, which maybe he was, I, I don't know, but like, it's really going to be hard to maintain your basketball playing shape while you're out with this whole, you know, scenario with, with, the, with the bone bruise on the left knee. Um, so I was like, okay, he's kind of just trying to get his feet back under him, you know, uh, clean up the footwork a little bit. Um, and, you know, really just sort of get back to get, get back to speed. Kai, I do have someone here I want you to meet. Oh, God. <laughs> that this is a live podcast. This is this is Kai Carlin. Hey, Kai, how you doing? Hi. Hello. I read I read your uh, your work. I saw it the other day. I saw it. Uh, what was it last night? You were talking about uh, about Doc said, don't worry about Ben's offense. No big deal. We don't care about his offense. <laughs> I saw. Yeah, how you doing? All right. I'm really good, Mr. Carl. How about you? Good. I'm doing well. Keeping this boy and trying to keep him in shape. You know. Oh my god. I, I hear that. I hear that for sure. <laughs> all right. All right, guys. I'll see you. Now that we clean the air, that is the man who fathered me, ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Krell. <laughs> 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 um, that's legend. That guy's a legend right there. The guy's an um, oh no. So anyway, anyway, uh, podcast never been better. Right, right there. That's just the, that's the peak of, of what we do here. So I was expecting Joel um, to really just be trying to get his uh, his his feet back under him in that game. I thought like, the way he came out early. Number one, he's getting on the floor. Um, and you know, you just you know, he's he's diving. He's not afraid of contact. And I thought that was like you know, it's commendable. I, I appreciate it, but I also think um, there's got to be an, a balance between like, okay, I'm going to risk it here versus like, I'm not trying to miss another two weeks. I'll let this one go. Which right. I mean, you know, I, I get like how that reads to like, the fans, but. I also think it doesn't really matter what you do in the regular season if you're not able to play in the playoffs. Like, like if you're missing time in the playoffs because you're nursing a knee or a back or whatever, or an ankle, is it really worth risking it against the Timberwolves on a Saturday night when you just came off from injury? No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of people really don't understand that. I feel like everybody's kind of like, oh, if he's healthy to go, why can't he just go? And it's like, no, no, no. Like, listen, you need to manage a lot of this stuff. And and listen, when – I got had a tweet. Somebody tweeted at me yesterday uh, when Joel was announced that he wasn't going to play against Memphis. And somebody was like, "Oh my God, is he okay? Like, like is he all right? Should we be worried about this?" And it's like, yeah. 
It's the second game of a back-to-back. Of course he's not going to play. Like, use your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, that's like where we're going to be conservative. It didn't surprise me at all. But if you, like, just think about, okay, so this is a game where it's, like, the Sunday, they travel Monday, then they have the Celtics in Boston. And Doc, from the very beginning of the season, if you think back to it, Doc says, um, we, you know, what really matters is, winning as many conference games as you can in, in your conference games. Not only is this a conference game, this is a division game. Right. So we're just trying to, 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 to win the division, win the conference, whatever. Um, and so if you like, – like it really was not – shouldn't have been a shocker to anybody that Doc says, no, nah, we're just going to like let him go against – you know, like, like if he doesn't like – we're, we're going to sit him tonight. He'll get another extra day off with the travel. Then we go to Boston, where he's going to have to play because we got to win that game in Boston. So I mean, it really isn't. It it, it wasn't surprising, although I'm sure it was disappointing to some. Um, but I mean, I, I you know you you understand why it happened. Of course, we do at least. Um, right. It was simple. But yeah, but I mean, in, in that minute, in that Minnesota game, so I was impressed with number one his speed and his timing. I thought his timing was really wasn't wasn't a lot to. Uh, you know, that you're like, wow, this is like, he's really off here. Um, I mean, he was baiting guys in the contact. Now, granted, that Minnesota team's really young. They, they, they don't, they're not a good defensive team by any stretch. Their only method at times of defending the basket was just to foul them um, and get them to the free line. So, I mean, it, it, they did a lot of that. But I thought overall he responded well to contact. He responded well in the face of, you know, what, what, what you know, what the defense was showing him. Um, again, you are right. The turnovers were a little bit, um, were a little bit, you know, ugly at times. There were a couple times where the blind side uh, was exposed and a guy would like, run in from behind, took the ball away and get in transition, which was in the moment problematic. But I think long-term he'll get back to where he was. Um, but one thing that, you know, that I, w- I wasn't too surprised by, but then kind of like recovered a little bit was he was getting beat to the rim by Cat a couple times. There were some times where Cat would, would like cut off ball and beat Joel out of the rim. Definitely. Like explode right and, and get to the rim. And then, you know, he had trouble getting back to, getting back and rejecting the shot because, you know, for obvious reasons. But then when Anthony Edwards did it a couple times in the fourth quarter, I, 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 they're both very young, but a younger, um, maybe a little bit, more nimble on his feet because he's smaller forward slash wing. Joel was able to block a shot twice as the rim. So I thought, I like, yeah. So I thought like Joel progressed throughout the game, which I think is kind of rare. And, and I feel like that's something good that you want to see though. Cause yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like maybe in the beginning he was a little too amped up. Um, it was his first game back after the 10 games. It was also his first game back in front of the Philadelphia fans this year. Um, and then when he went on to the floor for the first time, the game didn't even start yet, and he was already getting MVP chance. Uh, I mean, as soon as soon as he walked on, and yeah, Wells Fargo Center, they were blaring that wicked song from Future that that like you know they play every time he scores, and and I mean like <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly that that one. And he told me the fans gave him a standing ovation as soon as he keep walked out on the court for pregame warmups. So I feel like he was just maybe just a little too juiced, a little too amped up. Uh, he tried to maybe do a little bit too much early. Uh, that first, I think his first bucket was a two-handed dunk. That that just kind of began setting him forward a little bit. And then, as you mentioned, Austin, he really did kind of begin to progress a little bit more as the game went on. Um, in terms of the fouling that Minnesota did, uh, 
you know, I feel like every team fouls the hell out of Joel. Yeah, I think he goes to the free throw oh, line like, like like how many times? Like 13, 14 times a game. So, right. you know, th- there's not there, there's not much a team like the Timberwolves can really do against Joel. It would have been better to have him, I think, maybe against Memphis just because of Jonas Valanciunas and Brandon Clark. And obviously without Joel, they destroyed Mike Scott and Dwight Howard down low. But uh, you mentioned it earlier. Have him play against Minnesota. Sit out Sunday. Sit out Monday. Boston Tuesday. So yep. it just it makes a lot more sense. Yep. I also think like they kind of. I mean, obviously, like Shams is is just a reporter, but I think when someone leaks a Shams, they coming back Saturday. You're kind of like, well, damn. Now we gotta. Net, net, now now we gotta bring him back Saturday. Like like once right. Shams put out there, it's sort of like it's locked in. Um, which I mean, it's your ultimately you're you're the organization. You have the control. But also, it's like if Shams feels slighted in the future, he might not. You know, you might he he might not feel so inclined to like be your source to the information around the league, which I think is definitely at play with these insider types. Um, now, um, let's go over to 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 Sunday. So, I, I think the thing that has most impressed me about Tobias this year. I wrote about it a little bit last night. Um, and I think this is also like a function of confidence as in, as are most things. And by that, I mean, like, I think it's always been there for him. I just think that he's been hesitant to use it out of fear of failure, but he's been way, way better and way more resilient in the face of adversity in the lane this season. And I feel like he's done really good at even really, he's been really, you know, uh, adept at, not only getting downhill and getting to the rim, but also you, leveraging his size and his muscle and his body to like, I'm going to power through this and I'm just going to bank this off. The, I'm going to bank this off the glass and get it in. There have been times here where he's finished right, he's finished left, and usually he favors like that little horns play going to the left side of the court. Um, but I, I thought, you know, last night was a testament to it. But really, for the most part, this season he he's been able to finish on either side of the rim. Yeah, honestly, I saw there was some. There was one move last night against Valanciunas. Uh, he drove into the lane. I think he kind of used his body to bump off Valanciunas a little bit, and create a little bit of space. But because Valanciunas is so tall and he's got such a you know a, a wingspan, it, it was a tough shot. And Tobias kind of leaned back and just banked it off the um, off the backboard and he nailed the shot. And honestly, it was just really impressive to me. And just his. Tobias is, I want to say, efficiency all season long. I mean, I, th- I think he's shooting 50-40 and then 89.9% from the free throw line. So, like, like if he can get that back up over 90, he'd only be the ninth player in NBA history to finish with 50-40-90. And, I'm, I mean, he has been terrific all season long. And, and you know, I kind of was just talking about this earlier. Normally, when Joel goes out, you would think you would turn to Ben to kind of be the offensive guy. But instead, it has a hundred percent been Tobias. I mean, for the majority of this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you know, we're, and we're obviously running into that. That's like a big storyline. But I think he was at ninety percent, like ninety point two percent from the free throw line. Before, he was before last game, and then he missed one. And yeah. Then now he dropped below it again. But I mean, it, that's that's a hard club to maintain. It's a really hard club to maintain. And I think his three point volume is gone down a little bit because he he. My guess is he probably knows it that he's that close, and he doesn't like, do too many of them because they the more he takes, the more he can miss. Um, right. 
But I mean, I mean, he. I think he's shooting only three or four a game right now, which isn't too bad. Um, but now we go over to the elephant in the room, um, and that's going to be Ben Simmons. Now, I think this is a good way to segue into that. Ik Yaj is uh, in Australia. Um, he, he says, "Which was worse, the game versus Denver or the Grizz?" Both Denver. of those. Both of those were stink fests. Both of those were, were horrendous, horrendous ball games. Um, now, oh, you make a good point. I, I think the Grizz game was worse because number one, it's at home. Number two, you don't have the altitude thing that you can like beat into the ground as an as an excuse. And number three, sure. And then number three, the the Grizz, the men, the, the 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 Nuggets are good. They're a, a very good basketball team. Grizzlies, not so much. I'm gonna say Denver because they had two days off before that game, so I mean, I mean, sure, altitude. Yeah. To me, sure, altitude. But they played the Clippers Saturday. They were off that Sunday. They were off that Monday, and then they played Denver uh, the Tuesday. So I mean, they had two days off going into that game, and like the starters, as they just completely came out flat, completely flat, and and it was just like, like, dang, what the hell? To give up 44 points in the first quarter, Denver, very good team. I think they could. You know, with the moves they made, I think they could make a, another Western Conference Finals run at least. Like that's a very good team, but just they also had two days off with Memphis. They just came back from a six-game road trip. They played Minnesota the night before at eight o'clock. Had to turn around and play Memphis at seven o'clock. It just and also no Joel. It was just kind of like yeah, they it was like that was I expected that Denver. I didn't expect. Okay. You make an interesting point. Two days off, definitely. There's like, there's no excuse for being like tired like that. I, I generally, you gotta tell you, like I wrote about it last night. I think that that the, the the excuse like, oh, we're tired, we're fatigued, like that doesn't play for me. It doesn't, doesn't Agreed. play. Agreed. Agreed. Like, these guys are pros. Uh, they know they have to play 72 to 82 games depending on the year, and everyone has to play the same teams, same number of games. There's no like, or guess what? Everyone's tired. Everyone's got injuries. Everyone's nursing something. Everyone's on a road trip. Everyone's struggling with their game, what have you. Everyone's tired. That's not an excuse. Uh, you, 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 you need to give more energy than they gave last night. Certainly more than what they gave in the Denver game. Um, but that's besides, you know, that's, that's another conversation. Now, Ben Simmons. You gotta get to Ben Simmons. Um, boy, oh boy. It, it has not been fun for him recently. Um, it's been a, a major, major struggle. He's now, I think, he's shooting below 50% from the field um, since the All-Star break, I believe, from like, over his last like X number of games. Um, and I think the pattern with him is he's aggressive early. He's pushing the pace early. He's like beating everybody to the basket early in games. And then, like after that first rotation out, he's becoming extraordinarily passive, and he's not really attacking the rim. Um, but I, I think I have a theory as to what it is. But I'm curious to see what you what what you're what you think what you're saying there. I'm not really sure. I mean, like I feel like it's the same thing we've we've seen with him throughout his entire career. 
it's like it's like he continues to just be really really passive for like no reason it's like it's like man you are a six foot ten beast like you you are you you got size over everybody you are a skilled basketball player like like you can you have a variety of ways to finish but he but yet I, I, honestly i think jason mentioned this a lot on the on this podcast too he he, he tries to go up with like these cute finishes as rather than like going up with just authority and just throwing it down and you know and, and that's why i asked doc the other night after the minnesota game because he mentioned that the team was missing some point blake shots and i asked him i said okay well would, are you trying to tell ben to dunk it and he goes well i do that but and 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 but and then like there are other times where it's like it's like oh, i don't know if ben's listening to you man i don't know if he is because there are too many times he doesn't go up with authority now you mentioned it before he sorry start off he starts off the game like that sunday against the grizzlies i think he had three dunks like in the first quarter yeah. Um, just, just to score his six points, like that, that's good. But then he just stopped doing it, and it's like, it's like, man, like, are are you hurt? Like, are you still, are you still hurt? Because remember, he missed the game against Sacramento. Yeah. Like, like, are like, are you still feeling the effects of that or, or something? But he's really been passive for the majority of his career, to be completely honest with you. And and honestly, like, like some and a stretch like this, it can get tiring to watch. Yeah. No, I mean, I get there while you're just like, all right, like I, I, I've seen this act enough times. I, I, I know what this is. Um, right. I know how the story ends, and I think ultimately, if the team doesn't go far enough this season, I think they will have gotten tired of it of that of the whole act too. Um, and I think you know that that's when you might see the uh, an ending to this whole thing. But we'll approach that bridge when we get there. Right. I, like I think, like you and I talked about this, and I've been very much in this corner. There have been games when he's been the best player on the floor, and he never, even, like, he never even so much as thinks about attempting a jump shot. Doesn't even throw, doesn't even throw a pump fake, and he's the best player on the floor throughout throughout an entire game against good teams. There were times last season he would never even think about attempting jumpers, and he was the best player on the floor. Um, and it'd be against like Kawhi, against like like. You know, Paul George, you know, LeBron, what have you. Um, but it's this passiveness that has taken, it's come to a new level now where he is not only passive, but he's like, he just like leaves everything short. The, 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 the easy finishes at the rim are not so easy anymore. Um, and he is just, like he gets to the rim, he 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 gets he gets fouled, and he misses. He just make the layup, make the dunk, and 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 and, and he, he. How many times in the past week have we seen, like he gets to the rim, gets fouled, and then misses the layup, misses right. the dunk. And you see his reaction, like he's pissed at himself. Like, like you see him, he'll go like fuck, or he'll or he'll like smack, like you know he'll dribble the ball, and you know aggressively, and yeah. that himself. But like. I just don't get why he's not taking that extra step, because like I, I don't, I don't see what would hinder him in doing that. Like, like you've already got there, you're already at the rim. Just take the extra step and and, and create a little bit more like gravity for yourself and go up there and then just slam it. Um, and I, I'm kind of wondering if like maybe he's now like a little bit afraid of the free throw line because he has been regret regressing a little bit lately from there. Um, but I think what it comes down to is this. When 
in in the past when when Joel missed extended period of time when Ben was a rookie, he went on that tear end of the season, and that was when they had Ursan Ilyasova playing a lot of minutes at the five spot. Yeah, five five. Yeah. Um, his, you know, the, the the second season in the league, uh, with 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 Jimmy, um. You know, they, they, it was sort of a revolving door of backup bigs, but <laughs> but like right. he was generally fine. Plus, you know, you had you had Jimmy there to be the lead guy. Didn't really matter because um, Ben could just to be his Batman or his, his Robin to Jimmy's Batman. Um, right. Last season, when Joel missed extended time, you have Horford there. I think what we can't neglect in all of this, the common trend is the backup big man has been huge with Ben Simmons in the lineup because you have to have as a big man on this group and this, in this team, if you're going to play with Ben Simmons to have that gravity, to lift your defender out of the paint. And that way Ben gets eyes for the rim. That's when, yeah. when, that, when he knows that the big man, that the, that the big man isn't there to like help or that they can't really sag and that he can just take a guy one-on-one, he gets a little bit excited and he goes, um, right. This year with Dwight in the lineup, there's no credibility there to, to 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 like bring a big out of the paint. There's no there's no one there to like lift the helper away from the rim and leave the one on one man against Ben. Right. And Tony Bradley wasn't a shooter really either, but the numbers don't lie. The two man grouping of 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 Ben and Tony Bradley, I think, scored 108 points per 100 possessions. With, with the two man grouping with Dwight is scoring ninety nine per hundred, <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> so they're 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 at, they're averaging less than a point per hundred possession. And like, listen, like like Mike Scott's not much better, you know what I'm saying? Like 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 when when Scott's go out there, he's not. And then I also think that it causes Ben to have to assert himself a little bit more defensively because because Mike Scott isn't like this big PJ Tucker type body that's gonna like be effective on the defensive side of the floor. But even then defenses are still willing to gamble on Scott making a three. And it means they, 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 they remove the Ben Simmons threat. They wall him off in the paint. Um, I don't think it's like any kind of like weird, like coincidence that we're for the first time we're seeing that Ben and Joel not only work better together, but Ben needs Joel right now. Because Joel's lifting that defender out of the paint away from the rim and um, is making ben, giving Ben space to operate. That's just kind of what I see, but I, I do agree with you. I, I, they said that they say he's healthy. Everything I've heard says he's healthy. Um, but I don't know because he missed the Sacramento game. Then he, you know, and in this entire time frame, he's been basically number one, number two with Joel out. So, and this is the game with knee soreness, and then this how and then he has this 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 slump that he's in. Right. If he's injured, just say he's injured. Like right. it's okay. Like it's it happens. It's part of it's part of the part of the gig. Um, but it's just it's it's just it's impossible to like tolerate at this point that he's missing these shots at the rim. He's he's not aggressive. I mean, we're getting to a point where there was like a play against like and Jordan McLaughlin, who's five nine or five eleven, and he faded away. Fades away. He fades away. And he has Jordan McLaughlin in the paint. He has him on the block and he fades away. It's a, it, 
the, the like, hook shots aren't falling anymore. The floaters aren't falling. He's fading away against smaller matchups. That's like that's he, completely he, unacceptable. Yeah, no, you can't you can't have that. And I get like offensive fouls are going to happen. You got to use your got to leverage your size. You're six ten, six eleven. You're strong as all hell. You're built like a like, like a damn bull, whatever the word is, uh, the animal is. Go get yourself two points. Go go right. muscle your way to that rim and score over Jordan McLaughlin. Right. We, we can't have that. No, no, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I, I think, you know, I, I know Doc always says, oh, I'm not worried about his jump shot or, oh, I'm not worried about him scoring. But I think at the back of his mind, like come playoff time, uh, you can get away with that in round one when you got to take on the Charlotte Hornets or, or, or something like that. But in round two, like when you got to take on a much tougher opponent, like say, you know, the Miami Heat or taking on, uh, depending on the seating, the Milwaukee Bucks round two or something like that, you know, you know, Ben is going to have to freaking score next to Joel. Like you are not going to beat those teams with just Joel. We saw it in 2018 against Boston. We saw it in 2019 against Toronto. How many times in that Toronto series was Jimmy Butler pleading in the media for Ben to attack and for Ben to be aggressive? I mean, like there were, just, there were so many times where Jimmy was like, yo, I'm telling him, attack, we need you. Go, go. And he never did, except for I think maybe game six of that series. I think he had a really good game six, but but that was it in terms of his attacking. Um and just like that, there are too many times where where it's like where it's like, dude, as you mentioned, Austin, you're six foot ten, you're built huge. Go get yourself a bucket. You can do it. And he just won't do it. And I, I think I think it gets more unsettling, Austin, when the games when Joel is out. Because when Joel is out, everybody says the Sixers have two stars, right? Everybody says the Sixers have two all stars. Ben Ben is that second all star. Like you like you need to prove you need to be the guy to take on the brunt of the offensive responsibility and lead the way. And, and instead it's been Tobias all season long. Like I've always said Tobias should have been an all-star this year. I, I said it from the jump. You should. I, I think if you would re-pulled the people who selected, they probably would have said it. We should have gone Tobias Harris over Ben Simmons. Right. Right. Or like Tobias Harris over like, like Demonis Sabonis. I, I would have, I would have taken Tobias over Nikola Vucevic. Like, like, like that, 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 that's just me. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I, at least now it makes sense though, why like he's doing it without like, like why, why he's struggling without Joel. I think it actually makes sense that it's not happening because bottom line, dude won't shoot. He just won't shoot. And they're, they, they don't have a credible shooting big to, to literally yank defenders out of the paint. And then right. he, he kind of gets stocked up. Like, like, like I said, so I do, I do understand why that happens, but the the main issue that I have, like when you'll you'll see him, like he'll put on, put on the Jets, he'll attack the middle of the lane, he stops and stops at the nail. Like you see the foot just stop at the nail, turns yeah. and pivots, and then passes out of it. I'm like, bro, <laughs> did the controller die? Every what? time, every and, time, the battery, the run too low. Like, why are you stopping at the nail and pivoting and and and, and passing out of it? Like you're in the post against a smaller guy, and then you're kicking to Danny Green for threes. I mean, and don't get me wrong; like Danny Green's been awesome for them, but you're six foot ten. Yeah, <laughs> like, what, are, what are we talking about here? Um, now, <laughs> Matt McGinty says, "Sounds like you guys are giving up, making me upset." 
Um, I have long been a big, you know, I see the big picture with Ben Simmons. And Kai and I have texted oftentimes how we can't stand the fan base because they, they, they are very irrational. I'm not giving up on Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons is a phenomenal player. I think he's the top 20 player in the league. Um, he's, ha- he's, a, he's in a slump right now. But I think the fact that We've seen I, this too many times. it isn't like the guy shooting 35-foot shots and is having a slump. He, he, he only shoots around the rim. It's kind of hard to understand how he'd have a slump. But I mean, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from totally. But I also think that that you, it's 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 so short sighted and just kind of like lacking dimensional thinking. If you like, just put him in a vacuum and say like, okay, it's just him in the basket. Why can't he finish the layup? Right. No, there there, there are there's, are there's second, a lot of factors. There's a second or third or third defender um, there who is it's making it very difficult. I mean. Listen, you go to like rec league games, you go to college games, dudes turn the ball over when they have a second or a third help defender there to, to, to shut the lane down. It's not easy when you have guys that are in the NBA who are who they have trainers and they have coaches say, like, yo, if you see this guy, like he goes up for it and slap the ball, just slap down the ball, knock it free. Last night a couple of times, Ben was up for a layup or a dunk or whatever, loses it on the way up as turnover because the, the Grizzlies know to slap the ball free. And that I mean, you can have strong hands. You can go up, but you can you can go as hard as you can to the rim. That just happens sometimes. Sometimes the ball just gets slapped away, and you lose control. It happens to guys all the time. It's how a lot of like oh, like a lot of times when LeBron turns a ball over in crunch time, he loses it off his foot or off his knee because it gets it gets it gets knocked out of his hands. He tacks the rim. That's just part of the game. That's how that's how teams defend you. But the thing that is intolerable, number one. It does feel like his like like the defense like his, his slump has sort of leaked into his defense a little bit. I think his his intensity on that end of the floor hasn't been great recently. And if he's not gonna like if if if, if they're not making a ton of shots or if, you know if he's not gonna score a ton of points, you gotta average. You gotta be you know getting 10, 12 assists per game, which I think in some ways isn't necessarily his fault that he isn't because I mean in the games when Joel's out, they're shooting forty percent from the field. They just Without Joel to be there to like this, you know, to, to to swallow up double teams, they just don't get a lot of shots that are open. And I think that I think that 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 makes things difficult. Um, but for me, the one thing that I, I you just need him to do is stop stopping at the nail. And not only is that on Ben Simmons to to, to get over that fear and to get over whatever is stopping him there, but also on Doc Rivers and the coaching staff to put him in the right lineups, put him in the right positions to score those buckets. Um, if you, if you, if they give Paul Reed more minutes, I think, um, as a, as a five, even if they don't think he's ready, that's more of a credible shooting big than Dwight Howard is. It's going to lift the defender out of the paint. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm still not on board with the whole, let's just throw Paul Reed in there right now. I just, I'm not on board with it. I'm not like, like, listen, okay. Um, everybody loves, everybody loves B-ball Paul. I love B-Ball Paul, too. I think, I think he's a great kid. I think he's got a great future. And I think Paul Reed can be, like, the backup to Joel very soon. Not right now. <laughs> like, absolutely not right now. And, and, and I mean, you know, this, everybody's like, oh, my God, Mike Scott, why is he out there? Well, it's for the simple fact that Scott is a veteran, and, he, and even though he's clearly undersized as a center, at, at least he understands, like, where he has to be on the defensive end of the floor. He's just 
undersized and Valanciunas killed him because he's small. But, I mean, Mike Scott is the clear choice to start when Joel is out because, as you mentioned, you can't have Dwight with Ben. And I think and Doc finally realized that earlier in the year. Um, you can't have Do- uh, Dwight and Ben on, on the floor together. So, um, uh, honestly, as terrible as Mike Scott has been this year, just he he just for me he is the clear cut easy choice to start at center when Joel can't go. It just it it makes the most sense. You do you don't give Paul Reed those times right now. Yeah, I'll tell you. I think if Mike Scott weren't like having just like Space Jam type progression, <laughs> um, I think there is a will case that maybe they resign him this summer. But I think oh, there, yeah, there's no way. I, I would I think that would be blown out of the water if he's ever in the uniform for the Sixers ever again. Um, Absolutely not. Yeah, that'd be in the NBA next season. I, I don't know. Um, I don't but, know about that. Listen, if if you're, you know, I think would actually be a good team for him. The Grizzlies. I think he'd, I think he'd be a good Grizzly. I think I think he probably. He'd, yeah. Let's just break that story right now. Let's just get let's just get it going. Um, Sources say <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now, superhero eighteen says. It, but here's a big question: Is Ben Simmons good enough for for us uh, to make these kind of lineup adjustments? So, what kind of lineup adjustments? So, like, like, what do you mean? Yeah, like I, everyone says, like, you, you gotta like the rotation sucks. Like, you gotta do this, gotta do that. Well. So okay, what do you do? Put put in like Vincent Poirier. Is that is that going to be your big lineup adjustment? Like, and I guess right. it's not on the team anymore. But the point was, like, like, like this team, it, it, they're better built than they were previous years. And you know, I think you still trust Daryl Morey, but absolutely, like they're just not that deep. They're just simply not put right now, no, right now. Maybe a year from now, or a year or two years from now, when they have develop Paul Reed a little bit, when they have. So they'll have some more naturally grown depth and then you can make those more, uh, you know, those bigger lineup adjustments, but also part of the knock against Doc Rivers and part of why he was let go in LA because he's stubborn. He doesn't make adjustments and he let, he let Montrez Harrell out there to, to get polarized in the series against the Nuggets. So we'll see if he's learned from those mistakes, but that's just kind of like his, his MO. He doesn't, he doesn't really do that. Um, right. Now, this is another interesting one. To me, you make lineup adjustments for certain players. We can make lineups for Joel Embiid, lineups for Tobias Harris, but there's a real interesting thing as building around Ben Simmons. This is an interesting point because I think it reminds me of a different discussion. Um, I'm going to take this over to the Houston Rockets, actually. So they have the opportunity to, ter- to trade James Harden for Ben Simmons and the package of whatever, um, and they ultimately decide now we're going to go four pick swaps, four first-round picks, uh, Avery Bradley, <laughs> um, <laughs> Kelly Olynyk, Kelly Olynyk, uh, and, and some other stuff like that might be the worst trade in NBA history. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could have had a top fifteen player, you know, or you know, you think top twenty. I'm going to say top fifteen when it comes to Ben, but um. But instead, they, they you know they settled for Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley, and they're probably gonna you know wave Bradley soon anyway. So it's like, like, and like I, I get the whole argument, and the, the point that I'm trying to make here is like I get the whole argument of, like, that like people will make like, well, Houston didn't want to be tied and building around Ben Simmons a certain way with the picks. You have more liberty to pick and choose like how you build your team. Okay, but 
you could also end up picking Andrew Wiggins, Roy Parker, and uh, Thon Maker like six times. Like, 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 like Thon Maker. <laughs> at least with like, Ben Simmons, you have a defined star. You have right. you have in there. So right. I, I don't think there's any excuse for that anymore. Like Ben is a flawed star at this moment in his career. I mean, you can't find ways to, to maximize his play. And honestly, I, I think they have done their best with that. Like surrounding him with lineups with, you know, Danny Green, Seth Curry, Tobias, um, and, you know, Joel. And Austin, I feel like you just kind of touched on it earlier when Joel and Ben, you know, Ben needs Joel right now, man. You know, like Ben needs Joel in order to space the floor. So when Ben is on a floor that's spaced and when Joel is out and they have to rock with Mike and Mike Scott and Dwight Howard, the floor is not spaced enough for him to get to the basket. Um, But at the end of the day, though, I feel like with Ben, I feel like and Doc kind of touched on it. At this point, he is more of a facilitator at this point than he is like a scorer. And I'm like, because it just he sets up so many open looks for the rest of the guys on this roster. Um, but at, at, at the same time, and, and I touched on it, he's also got to be able to put the damn ball in the basket when Joel is off the floor. Like, you have got to step up and put the, you know, you're, you're six foot 10. And, and another thing you touched on, Austin, your shooting percentages are down. And he doesn't take jump shots. He's around the freaking rim. Like, why is your percentage down, bro? You are at the rim. <laughs> it's true. The true shooting percentage is down. The overall percentage is down. The percentage within eight feet of the rim is down. It, it's just like it, it's 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 confusing. It, it's confusing. But at the same time, it is also something that we've seen from Ben for the majority of his career. It's just he's a passive dude. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, I think. <clears throat> like for him, like the next step in the development of Ben Simmons. By the way, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if like this offseason he ends up like actually putting in like a lot of work to change some things because I think now you have like a coaching staff that's going to, it's like in his ear about development with like Sam Cassell. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if like he stays in Philly this summer and if he's not traded and he, Works for Sam Cassell and he comes back like a, like a, in a different in some ways next season. Um, but <clears throat> I guess you know we we we've we've fallen for that one before, and I, and I I think everybody I, has. I think a tangible improvement is 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 the only thing we trust going forward um, with him. Now, Tobias Harris again closes another game out this weekend. Um, <clears throat> he's basically like automatic from that mid post. I mean, yeah. it's 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 like it's just butter every time. And now I've gotten to the point where it's like, and I wasn't that way with him before in his first season and a half with Philly. But I'm like, okay, he's shooting it. It's going in. Like, like I'm, like, I don't even question it. It's he's automatic from that mid to low post area. Now, see, I was a big Tobias guy when they made that deal. Like when they made that deal, I was like, yo, that's perfect. That's a really terrific, terrific deal. But. Uh, and we saw it in the first season and a half in Philadelphia, Brett Brown really just, he didn't know how to use him. Like, like just Brett, Brett continued to kind of put Tobias in a corner um, at the first half season because of Jimmy. And Jimmy is a guy who you got to put the ball in Jimmy's hands and you pretty much had Tobias stand in the corner and shoot threes. And then last year 
because you lost Jimmy and JJ Reddick. You know, Brett is what Brett was trying to turn Tobias into both Jimmy Butler and JJ Reddick reincarnated in one person. So he's literally asking Tobias to take what? How many? I think how many threes did he take last year? Six a game? It was something crazy like or five and a half a game, something like that. Like he wanted Tobias to just launch a bunch of threes and as no, like 36, 37%. Right. And while Tobias can make three pointers, obviously, he's shooting over 40% from deep this year. You want him taking three threes a game maybe four but yeah. you're not you're like no you can't have him launch a bunch of triples like he's jj reddick so i felt like last year they were just asking him to do way too much well i thought he could fulfill the close the uh the closer spot because i seen him i saw him do that in detroit i saw him do that um you know with the clippers under doc i saw him do that when he was in orlando even tobias is a guy that they would he was a closer for those teams most of the, for the majority of the time and i felt like he could do that but, you know, just last year he wasn't able to do it because they were just asking him to do way too much. This year his role is a little more simplified. Yeah, um, I would agree. And I think right now, like, there are times when he, he'll take six or seven dribbles, <clears throat> but he'll get to his spots and he'll knock it down now. Right. I think that – I think on those possessions is more about, like, he's just ultra confident in himself. Like, mm-hmm. in a way he wasn't last season – or the season before. I mean, his free throw percentage for 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 you know for for God's sakes is up nine percent from last year. He's making nine percent more of his free throws. That's insane. That's huge. That's huge. That's literally nuts. Um, and he really honestly, like he really wasn't bad last year. He was averaging like roughly 20 points per game. Right. But he wasn't efficient when he was doing it. I think he was shooting 44, 36, 80 from the field, which isn't yeah. Not good enough. Not that great. No. Um, but I, I think that's been a really uh, – he, he's held them together more than I think Ben has in a lot of ways this year. Uh, do you believe um, – do you believe when Doc says that, like, I view him as a facilitator and I'm not – like, like, like I'm like scoring is the least worry something on my list? No. Not like that. <laughs> not, not even <laughs> – not even, not even a little bit. Um, I know I've talked about this with a bunch of other people, uh, and, and just like I, I think, I think he's literally like lying through his teeth, like when he says that. And uh, I, I, I think him and Sam are, are like in his ear, telling him like, "Yo, you are six ten. Get to the basket and just throw it down with a dunk. It just, it really, it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be this hard." You know what I'm saying? Like, like it shouldn't be this hard for him to score. Um, and I feel like Doc is definitely going to get frustrated with him at some point. Um, while Ben Simmons is a top 15 player, all-star, an elite defender, I think he should win Defensive Player of the Year this year just because of the way he's locked up the game, one some of the game's best scorers. Um, but just, just offensively, though, like, he holds them back sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it, and it's frustrating for a guy as as um as big and as skilled as he is, to, like just to see him like this, it, it's frustrating, and it's annoying to cover. To be completely honest with you, yeah, no, it's at, at there are certain like like I I was writing last night, and I'm thinking to myself like, how many games have I started out my my observations with? Ben started the game aggressive, and then I never write about it ever again in the game. Because like, yep. like, 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 it's the same story. 
it's it happens every game with him. Um, <clears throat> and I and you know I, I actually disagree, uh, JC. As you as you said, <clears throat> um, I think he needs some tough love right now from the coaches. I think he's been getting encouragement for years from from uh, this way is, too long. This isn't me like like reporting anything. Like I just I, I I get the sense and I think that the problem was that he's been given too much support and encouragement. I think someone needs to light a fire under him and be like, like like yo, this is what you're on the verge of. This is like you are holding this team back right now. Like we 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 praise your passing, we praise your playmaking, we praise your defense. This is the reality of the situation for you right now, and. Like the reality is, if we don't make it past a certain point in the playoffs, when it gets to nut cutting time, you're the one who's going to be on the chopping block. Not not Joel, not anybody else. And ever, like the excuse of oh he's young, like yes he is young. Four four years from now he'll be 28. But that also needs to also mean okay, but where is the linear progression in his game? What what what, what makes me think? that there is an end point or that there's, that there's a, um, a, a ceiling to be reached that is, is higher than what he is. Cause he hasn't really done much in the way of offensive improvement other than like better free throw shooting this year to, to, to get there. I mean, he's what, like, like the, like the, the, the post game has gotten a little better. Um, he still doesn't shoot. He probably, I don't know if he'll, that I believe he'll ever shoot. Um, no. And he's, He's still selectively aggressive with 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 with, with the attacking, um, <clears throat> but I, I think for a while, like it was, you could make the argument like, oh, his facilitation's great. He's generating how many threes on assists? Um, you know, he's he def- he locks up this dude. Yeah, that's great and all, um, but. You need to fit there. It isn't that he can't get to the rim. It's that he's not finishing at the rim right now. And then he, 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 and then he's turning away driving lanes by stopping at the nail. That's the thing that at some point you can't overlook anymore and you can't make excuses for that anymore. And I, you know, I've always been a guy that, that sees the upside in Ben Simmons, but there's not much you can say at this point. Yeah. It's, it's completely frustrating. Like, like just from, you know, a, a full standpoint, and I'm, I don't care what Doc says; it's going to cost him come playoff time. It is going to absolutely cost him. Yeah, no, I, 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 and I think I, 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 I do hold out some encouragement because I think with Joel on the floor, Ben's been better. It, it isn't. It isn't like it, it isn't like they're expecting to play without Joel and Embiid for an entire playoff series. But you know, I, I do think that there will be games where ultimately. They lose by two or three points, and it's and Ben has six turnovers. Ben has, you know, this ha, you know he 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 shoots two of six in the field. So I, I I think when that happens, if that happens, that's when things are going to get hairy for him in terms of his future in Philly. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll see. Now I do want to get over to some of the topics here. One is going to be uh, Maxi misses the game last night. I think our first inclination when we see like is questionable, is doubtful out with health protocols, we think, okay, he has it. He's tested positive. 
And then not only that, but where are the rest of the players and all this? Where, have, have they been hanging out with him? Are they also positive? What is the status for tonight, tomorrow's game, whatever? Right. I think there's like a hole there where it has to be. No, no, no. He just he just added an inclusive test. He the, we 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 we're just holding him out for for precaution because he we're not sure about the test. Um, Kyle Newbeck reported today that it was that he was cleared to go to Boston and yada yada. He's probable for tomorrow, but I I, I, I mean at least in me there is a sense of like does everybody else have it? What is what happens now? Because if they, if they have guys missing quarantining for a week, they're going to be out of the first place. That might and, and they're so late in the season that might be the dagger. Now see, I didn't I didn't have that thought. Because for me, it was like I, I obviously I was at the arena and I saw Maxi warming up an hour before the game started. So it was, so for me, when when they said, "Oh, he's out with uh, protocols," I immediately thought, "Okay, yeah, he had an inconclusive test." Like they're like I, I didn't have that same thought. Like like I know everybody else began freaking out because oh my god, and you know January, we all remember January. They had a, a majority of their team out for a while because of the protocols. But for me, I, I, just, I really didn't have that thought. It, it was it, like I immediately went to the inconclusive test, and then when Doc said after he when he confirmed that, and then we got the update today that it was an inconclusive test. He had two negative tests. He's fine. You can go to work. It was just like, all right, whatever. Like for me, like that, it was kind of like a whatever thing for me. It was like, all right, uh, okay. <laughs> it's gonna happen at some point. Um, um, now <laughs> let's let's real quick because um, we are we are running against the clock here. Paul Reed and Rajon Tucker last night. I walked away very impressed with Paul Reed. I was I was particularly impressed when he goes glass with the lefty and finishes the, the and finishes through foul. That was a very good play. I liked that one, and then I think it was the same play, but um, him his, his off the ball movement is something his cut his cutting off the ball is something that's very impressive to me as well because there are so many younger players who don't understand like off ball movement like a lot of younger players really just want the ball and go one-on-one and the fact that reed has kind of been able to make these cuts and then you know move without the ball like that and you know quickly catch and finish i think that's been very impressive to me as well when it comes to his game i, I, I didn't expect that coming out of him yeah and yeah you make a good point it's funny to me because like when it comes down to it, like when you simplify basketball all the way down, really off-ball movement is just like, where is there not someone standing? I shall go stand over there. Oh, he moved? I'm going to go replace his spot. Right. Oh, there's a screen here. I'm going to use this screen. Like, right. like, like, all it is is really just being awareness, but there yeah. definitely is a, a, a fine art to it and, and how to leverage off-ball movement to create more open looks. It's how great shooters like J.D. Redick become great shooters. Right. Like, and defenses drape them. Um, but I, number one, I love his energy. I, 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 think, yeah. he, I think he just is like a, a bunny rabbit, just jumps up, he gets offensive rebounds, he's blocking shots. And, and I think he just very versatile. Once he gets that jumper down and he, he gets the speed of the game under his shot, he's going to be tough. Um, Ray John Tucker, if there would be a player you compare him to, who is that player? Somebody athletic. Um, so- <laughs> I'll say uh, a young, younger Terrence Ross, like when Terrence Ross was just out here, like dunking on people. Okay, I think KJ. McDaniel. I mean, not now. Like, like now, Ross's game is a lot more like refined. He, like he shoots threes, like he can knock knock shots down and stuff. But when he was in Toronto, like all Ross could do was dunk. 
So like, yeah. th- that's what Tucker kind of reminds me of. A very raw player, just uses his athleticism. Uh, you just mentioned KJ McDaniels. That's probably the best comparison that's- for him. <laughs> like, like I don't know about the offense. I don't know where that stands. But Rajon, there was a play where he slid from the from the elbow to the block, and he got up and just pelted uh, jo- Jonas Valanciunas' shot off the rim. Yeah. And- He's going in for a, for a layup. He thinks he has it. And Ray John comes out of nowhere and just spikes it off the backboard. And it, 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 goes, like it was a goaltend. And I was like, damn, he slid fast and it was agile. And there right. was no problem for him to do that. It, it, it was, I was like very taken aback by that. And then he, I mean, he jumps out of the building to get to fight for like loose balls and offensive rebounds. So I thought like overall, we did learn something about what they have in those two. I don't know that Ray John's ever going to get like a real opportunity in Philly just because like the depth that they have at the guard spots now, like he, he's behind Maxi, he's behind shake. He's behind um, Matisse. He'll be behind, you know, Seth, Danny, whatever. Um, but I, I do like him. I think he has a chance to make it if not Philly elsewhere. I do think Paul Reed though is, is a, is a great find. That was that that's going to be something that, if they trade for a star like this summer or whenever, um, that's going to be a trade chip that they might have, or they'll be able to, to they'll, they'll they'll leverage his growth and development to, to allocate resources elsewhere in free agency. Um, Kai, where can they find you? You can find me on on Twitter at at Kai underscore Carlin, and you can also check out myself at SixersWire.com. You can find me on Twitter at NBA Crowd. We both covered the Sixers for different outlets. I painted lines, as you know. Kai Carlin, Sixers Wire. Catch us before and after every game reporting on this team. Believe it or not, despite all the negativity, they are still tied for first place in the conference in the East. This is their best start in, like, I don't know how, 20 years. <laughs> so, yeah, like 20 years. Like, yeah. legit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was five, I think, the last time that they had this good of a start. But I, was, no, I think four, maybe four. I was seven. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, that, that just tells you the landscape of what it's like in, the, in this market. That you can be a first place, and we're still going to roast you for an entire show. Um, he is Kai Carlin. I am Austin Krell. As always, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Have a good night. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time, next week, another episode of the Feed to MVP.